wake up, it's morning You're dreaming up a story I can hear The way it's going, cause you're laughing in your sleep On the path to your deliverance And a holy Lord light Pouring through your window And I'm happy This morning, I'm out at Mimosa Pine Cemetery in Carlos on Highway 27 South. Um, Mimosa Pines is actually another one of my favorite places to come to in Sulphur to get away and just really have some peace and quiet and listen to my mind for a little while. And then when my mind settles down, I can find my heart. That's at least what happens for me. My mind's a busy place. And uh, when I, kind of like the Tao Te Ching says, if you can stand still enough to let the mud settle to the bottom, the water becomes clear. So that's, that's really healthy for me, and I need those times. I don't come out to Mimosa as much as I used to. Uh, I used to come out here a lot more. It's been a while, actually. But this morning, I really wanted to get up and go for one of my prayer and meditation walks. And I've really grown fond of walking down Maplewood Drive. But had a late night last night and a really busy, busy week. Lots of work and just things to deal with all week long. And I was really tired last night, honestly. And my son, as many people know who listen to this, is in the color guard. And uh, they had a game out of town, so those any band parent knows those out of town games, you're really kind of burning way past the midnight oil, waiting on those kids to get back. Uh, so anyway, I, I tried to get up this morning at <laughs> my normal hour, but it just wasn't happening. So I thought, well, I can drive down to Mimosa and just have some quiet time. And honestly, I actually came out here to journal for you guys I had a this week was really interesting there's been there's something that's been on my mind all week all week long and when I first started having these thoughts about what I'm going to talk about today I really hadn't put two and two together there was some kind of serendipitous timing serendipitous occurrences that were lining up this week for this subject to be relevant for me and just so you know where I'm sitting just kind of the space uh, sunrise has already happened but the sun's not too high in the sky but out at Mimosa you know there's a, a uniformity to the way the the graves are manicured and the way that the headstones are laid so when the sun comes up, it casts these long shadows across the ground, and especially on a morning like today where there's really barely wisps of clouds in the sky. I, I really do enjoy that when I come out here to watch the shadows move across the ground. But where I'm at particularly, there's a spot if you ever come out here, and you may be familiar with it already. There's a marble statue of Jesus touching his sacred heart. It's missing a few fingers, it's cracked off over the years, but it looks like it's fairly well kept up, it's clean. 
And if you walk directly south of that statue, statue, that statue faces the west. But if you walk direct, directly south of that statue, there's a tree and a little concrete bench. And it actually casts a nice shadow over you for quite a while. So for times when it's when it's warm out here, uh, I love coming out here to think and read or write uh, because it's so it's kind of cool. It's actually not too hot this morning. A little breeze coming across, so that's nice. I wasn't looking forward to being humid and sweaty today. I just really, really, honestly, just tired. Man, maybe tomorrow will be better after I've had a. A normal night's sleep but uh, yeah right now I'm just feeling tired but not too tired to talk about this subject when it when I got up it was actually the first thing that I thought about again it's been that way for days and what I want to talk about is the the Dallas police officer that was sentenced to 10 years in prison so if you follow the news at all you know, on the surface, maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, I'd be surprised if you didn't, but on the surface, you know, you hear that headline and it's just another piece of bad news. And just to tell you how I came to see what I'm going to share this morning, uh, just give you a little peek into my week. I was producing several things this week. You know, we had our anniversary episode this week and we really wanted to make it a big week, just full of great, great things and just really push hard to produce a lot of content in a lot of different categories to really set the stage for the coming year. So we had a journal episode come out, as you know, and this will be the second one of those. Then we also had our anniversary episode. Then we had a B-Sides, which is for our Patreons. So they get kind of a secret podcast uh, with the team, me, Michelle, and Nicole. You know, so it's a little bit more, you know, uh, off the beaten path conversations, not super deliberate. You just get a peek inside what our morning meetings look like. If that's your kind of thing, that's pretty cool. You can check that out on our Patreon page. And we actually appreciate all the support that everybody's given us there. Then we also uh, had a live episode you know, and then on top of that, we had also our regular work, our, our paying work to do. So it was just a lot. Uh, and it was all good. Never once did I feel stressed out, except for one time. I was getting stressed out about a little detail, getting annoyed about a little detail related to one of the productions we were working on. And I was letting myself kind of fall into an annoyance and, and grievance. And... In the midst of it, that I was kind of talking about it with a, with a really close friend, and that friend said, "Hey, not to change the subject, but have you seen this story?" And so he shared a link with me, and that link was of the courtroom during the sentencing of this officer who had shot this man. So, for those who don't know the story, she comes home to her apartment, and she goes into the wrong apartment. The door was unlocked to another apartment. I, I don't really recall why that happened, but just in a nutshell, she goes into the wrong apartment. She thinks she's in her apartment, and she shoots the man, the man that's in the apartment, because she thinks he's somebody in her apartment, kills him, and then, you know, this investigation ensues, and there was a little bit of a smear campaign against the guy. And I do remember just getting ugly and just kind of feeling really honestly terrible about the whole thing. I was like, what a messed up, what a messed up thing. This whole thing's just messed up. 
what really really bothered me not not to overshadow the man's death which was absolutely just senseless I what really bothered me was how it the victim sort of gets demonized in these types of situations immediately and that was what it seemed like that engine was where that engine was trucking and so that that made me feel terrible back whenever it happened but i didn't really follow it any further past that because you know guys we talk about it on i talk about the show all the time news just trucks along you know and then there's always something bad coming right behind it which as you know i won't get on that again but is the motivation behind find the good news to talk about and put information out there that's different than what we're used to consuming so anyway back to my original point well this week at the sentencing uh, the victim's brother was on the stand and he spoke directly to the officer who had shot his brother I would encourage you to go watch that video right now if you're if you're listening to this go find it search any of the words that I've just used you're going to find it Dallas police officer sentencing 10 years forgiveness any of that's going to get you where you need to be but I didn't watch the video immediately after my friend sent it to me you know I was still kind of dwelling in my frustration and irritation and I had a little bit of a of chit-chat about it with him, and I, I said, oh, yeah, I know this story, and I just kind of moved on. With, I made a mental note that I would watch it later, and honestly, I'm glad I didn't watch it then. Truth, The truth is I really am glad I was at work when I got the link. So the next morning I got up and I had made I, – I, I just – it was on my mind for some reason. I need to check this link out that he sent. And so it was before anyone had really – there wasn't anybody around i remember that i don't remember what time it was but i just know there was uh, one of my children was still asleep and my wife and other son had left and uh, so i was kind of alone and i watched it and i wailed i just wept out loud and you know wherever you think tears come from <laughs> emotions whatever thoughts I could feel this rising up from a different place, and I felt this before in my life a few times, more than a few times, where it's a different kind of feeling. And maybe you know exactly what I'm talking about. It starts, I'm sure, well, I'm sure it starts in your mind somewhere because you're processing what you're experiencing. But then the feeling changes, it moves to a different part. And for me, it always moves to the center of my chest, like it's something that swells up from that place rises up into my throat and my eyes and and then the sounds the weeping and you know I, I gotta tell you we say weeping I don't want you to think I mean weeping out of pain but I will I will say that it was some sorrow sorrow is the real word for that it was like this just overwhelming feeling that I was, as I watched this person, this brother to the victim, forgive and show mercy to the person who had killed his brother in, a, in what, what will end up being just such a senseless death. And 
what I, I really got to say about that was the way this young man spoke. He didn't... The things that really, upon reflection, that stood out to me was that he didn't have a Bible in his hand. He wore no outward display of his religion, which he was... He's a Christian. When you watch the video, you'll see he's obviously a Christian because he uses Christian language. But what he says is very, very clean and very simple. It isn't some highbrow theological drivel which again i don't mean that in drivel sounds derogatory i mean i read (laughs) i enjoy theology i just compared to what i saw in this video of this man it reduces everything written about mercy and love and compassion to ash in the simplest way the longest form of prose can't capture what I saw and you may have a different opinion of that I don't know but for me in that moment when I saw it I will just say I felt like I was in the presence of what I have come to experience as God which is just an overwhelming endless source of mercy and compassion and love just love we hear it all the time people say it and we walk away from it pretty quickly too that god is love i mean i've heard it my whole life and i've seen the same people who say those words turn around and do things that are certainly not loving in fact i i found it to be it's confounding sometimes if we say god is love you know completely and totally it starts to makes me think that maybe we don't really fully understand what love is because we can quickly shift to identifying God as another type of force. But I, I've come to believe that love is a force, and I felt it when I watched that young man say what he said. And then where it really tilted the scales of mercy for me was when he just humbly asked the judge to allow him to go hug the officer and she does he asked twice and you can see on his face that it's almost he's almost desperate to hug her there was a quivering in his voice that just affected me like please please I've been wondering why that was so important to go touch the person and to embrace this person who had you know killed his brother senselessly this person that he loved and maybe and I'll talk about that in a minute but he he got up as you'll see in the video if you've watched it by now he he got up and he walked around and uh, he and the officer former officer they they embraced and then there was the shuddering and the weeping on their end and I wept And I think it would be easy to just say, well, that's sweet. Isn't that something? And then move on. But in that moment for me, when I saw it, I was overwhelmed. Because what I I was seeing was something that I think we we rarely fully get to see. And so I guess that gets right into what I wanted to talk about today. 
and that's saints. You know, as someone who professes to be a Catholic, albeit by many standards, probably not a good one, whatever that means, I, the saints are a big part of life. They have been even before I was a Catholic, before I confirmed Catholic. I would read writings of the saints and, and look at their lives, and I thought, what, what wonderful models. And, you know, as someone who also had practiced Buddhism for so many years, that wasn't an odd thing to me to look at individuals who were uh, held, who practiced their faith or their belief or their, their spirituality to a higher standard or held themselves to a higher standard. I was always attracted to that and, and loved reading the writings of those people. And they're, they're all across history. So pick, turn around, turn 360 degrees and walk any direction. You'll, you'll walk into some kind of wisdom eventually if you're looking for it. But one of the things that I've always thought about with the saints was the moment that it happens. You know, if you're familiar with the way the process goes for official sainthood with the church, then it sounds very legalistic, you know. For someone to have an official designation, there's a an inquiry, you know. Someone has to make a recommendation. I'm going to really <clears throat> sum this up. Make a recommendation. Uh, they look for miracles surrounding their lives. Uh, and then over a period of time, you know, through all this discernment and investigation, the church officially will or will not designate someone a saint. And um, that's the official way. But what I'm talking about here today is the way we all talk about it. Sainthood. I mean, we all say it. I mean, heck, our football team is called the New Orleans Saints. I wonder often if that isn't even part of, if that almost diffuses it a little bit. We say it so much in association with the team, do we really, truly stop and think about what it means? But I always think about, like this week especially, I was thinking about St. Francis of Assisi. And I've talked about him many, many times on the podcast, uh, especially even perhaps in the B-sides I talk about him. But St. Francis has been a saint that I've... And, and he's popular the world over. I mean, you know, he's the birdbath saint for some people who don't know anything about him. They just think he's a, a sweet guy that loved nature and was kind to animals. And that's fine if that's where the line is. But there's so much more to this historical figure. I mean, in many ways, he is another Christ. And for me, that's what I've always thought of as, as a saint another Christ you know this is a being that is uh, has reached this uh, deeply within themselves and love has emerged and they're living breathing loving human being like Christ and I've always been fascinated by that but what really I always wondered is, is you know it's a slow process right so when St. Francis was living and going through this transformative process that he went through and completely confounding everyone you know all crashing against the walls and the rules of what it meant to be spiritual or Christian for that matter or Catholic at that time I, I just would love to be able to really see that 
And all, and then I wonder, was there a moment like what I saw in this courtroom? Was there a moment where you could feel it with St. Francis? And I told the story of the clacking of the leper sticks in a past episode uh, recently with Chase Savant. And I, I wonder, was that the moment? Was that the moment where, if you want to imagine it visually, a bubble of love spread off of his being and continued to encompass everything around it, around him? Interesting. Did you see how I shifted to it? That happens to me a lot when I start talking about God and love and divine mercy and get into that territory and, and all of the the gender the gender norms tend to fall away from me. <laughs> Speaking of Saint Francis as another Christ, I say I easily shift to it instead of he. I find that pretty fascinating. I kinda love it to be honest. But so Saint Francis, you know, he, he's he's another Christ. He's he's having this moment. When was that moment, and how large this bubble was, and did it continue to radiate? And honestly, it did. It had to have because it, it's come down to even our age. You know, so long ago, and even still, an example of love and mercy and compassion. You know, to go going to the places that no one wants to go, loving in a way that's too hard. Loving people that are too hard to love. Loving creatures that are, quote, beneath us in a way like a, a, a God that is love would love them. A cre creatures that arose from the same thing that we arose from. I think that's beautiful. And I just wondered if that wasn't what I was seeing in that moment like would you would i f have fallen down and wept in in the presence of saint francis i think i might have i think i might have and so this week i, I after i watched it i went to work and i, I said look i'm just going to share this with you guys and they watched it and the feeling emerged again this overwhelming power and we had a good conversation at, at the office about it you know what is this feeling that takes over and rewires your reasoning you know by the world standards we, we all we want justice so badly we want the person who's hurt us to pay for what they've done and that makes so much sense from a very very human point of view and we do, we justify those actions. I, I listened the, the day after, I listened to a podcast where someone was talking, uh, a Methodist uh, minister was talking about the death penalty, death penalty and, and really kind of spent a lot of time justifying the death penalty. And I thought to myself as I listened to the, the legalism of it all, how much work was being put into that. How much energy he was putting into this justification. And I'm not going to demonize that man or say he's wrong or evil. I'm just saying that there seemed to be a disproportionate amount of effort being put into that. It was very intellectual, very secular in the way it was presented. 
And so it made me just wonder when we, when we get into the realm of divine mercy, how hard it is to be secular about that. Which brings me to another saint that uh, came up this week because her feast day is actually this morning. And that's uh, St. Faustina Kowalska. Yeah, if you don't know who St. Faustina is, you've potentially seen an image that I'm sure you may not, you may know, many of you may know, but many of you may not know, and it's called the image of the divine mercy. And it's a painting of Jesus, there are several of them, where he's standing and walking towards you. Um, He's pulling his garment apart right at the heart, and then a red and blue ray of light are coming out of his garment. There, there are several of those that have been painted over time, and people now it's it's become quite popular because she was the saint's first saint the church had canonized in the new millennium. Of course, I didn't know this, you know, four or five years ago, but but that was the case. And you know, like many saints, Saint Faustina's work was only revealed later. You know, after a little bit of persecution. Being, being seen as the odd ball in the bunch the one who couldn't quite follow the rules needed special care because he couldn't quite follow the rules and then even to, to a large degree much of what she wrote was suppressed and only in the only in the 70s was it 1970s was it uh, really authorized by the church for public consumption but that, that again, there we're getting. I'm talking about legalism here. But when I discovered Saint Faustina, quite serendipitous time in my life. Lots of things were lining up. It was the right place at the right time. After a day of incredible occurrences, honestly, things that I couldn't have even put together to to put her name in front of me for me to go down the path to to finding more information about her but she wrote a diary a very healthy diary I mean it's really large and you can buy it now it's in paperback and leather bound but so I got a copy of her diary and went into that space again of divine mercy and love and when you read St. Faustina's diary, it kind of another it's another wrecking ball. All the, all the walls and structures get get thrown to the ground. I mean, it just decimates so many things. Now, because she's she was a Catholic nun, the church certainly you know, I guess claims ownership holds ownership over those things, over her works. You know, they're the source of disseminating that information. And, and it's all, and that is a, a very structured entity. Lots of paperwork, but at the same time, if you get your hands on a copy of Saint Faustina's diary, and I, I say this to anyone, whether you're a Christian, or a Catholic, or a Protestant, or an atheist, or agnostic, or a nun, you know, N E, which I was a nun for many, many years. I don't mean it as an ugly word. I, I would even say I still have a dose of that in me. Or if you don't, or if you practice something else, 
something that's you know I didn't name because the world of religion is is large and wide and beautiful you'll find something in St. Faustina's diary even if you don't believe in God and I'm and look I got to be clear when I say God the joke that I hear as I come back so often when people have conversations about God in the modern world is father in the sky that's off somewhere else and another dimension or space and looking down from a from a litter from a throne and the, I'd look I got to tell you that's not my language and if that's how what I say when I talk about God and love if you're filtering every word I'm saying through that lens I'd ask you to take those glasses off for a minute and that may be your lens and a healthy lens if that if that's helpful to you leave them on but if it's not helpful to you take them off for a minute and and I guess the simplest way I could put it is think of God as a like being underwater yeah like a fish underwater you know a fish is underwater and it breathes the water and, and it's living in this space completely surrounded by it it's the water is literally its life and you pull it out of that water and its life is gone. Uh, a fish can't comp- really comp- can't comprehend dry land. Can't comprehend the sky that we are under, the green grass. You know. So think of it. Think of God that way, maybe for just a minute, while, while, as I talk about this, and maybe that'll be helpful to you. It's helpful to me. Um, back to her diary. Oddly enough, it's, she talks about water. She calls uh, the ocean of mercy endless, unfathomable, inexhaustible. That no, there's no grievance. There's no sin. Okay, there's no, there's no thing that the divine mercy cannot wash away. There's no stain on humanity that can't be washed away in the divine mercy that's pretty incredible that that message really resonated with me because i started what she paints in her diary is an image it's a road map to god's love to be honest with you it's a road map to fullness it's something that you can jump into, like take the nesty plunge. I mean, that's, that's the truth. Close your eyes. And we say that a leap of faith all the time. You can close your eyes and fall backwards into the divine mercy. I did. I fell backward into the divine mercy. And, and when, I, when I fell backward into the divine mercy, I saw a bunch of other beings in the divine mercy all across history. But those people aren't just in the past, right? And I think that's St. Francis's feast day was actually Thursday. And I think that's what I'm talking about. There was a moment, there had to be a moment at some point where St. Francis did the nesty plunge and fell backward into the divine mercy. And everything changes. And so getting back to what I was talking about, when I watched this young man on the TV I was watching this young man fall backwards into the divine mercy 
And that's what I think I was feeling when I, when I watched this. And maybe you feel it too. Maybe you felt it too when you watched him. Maybe you felt something swelling in your chest. And maybe you became aware that you were in the water, surrounded already. Already surrounded and bound by love and mercy. And maybe, maybe that's why we cry. Sometimes I think that is because it's like, it's like recognition. (laughs) I used to read these comic books when I was a kid. Loved them. And honestly, they just finished a couple years ago. They were the ElfQuest comic books. And, oh man, I I loved some of the language in those books. But there was something with when the elves, they would, uh, you know, they were these higher beings that were trapped into the, in the world, you know, they'd lived all these millennia. But each one of them had another uh, soul or, or elf that um, had a higher being within themselves. And these, these higher parts of themselves would recognize each other. They actually called it recognition in the book. And once someone had recognized, once their recognition had taken hold, they, could, they were always connected. They could never forget it. And I guess that's kind of what I, I, I wonder when I feel that sometimes. And I wonder if you feel that too, when you recognize that in another human being or in a child. Now, what the type of sainthood I'm talking about today is not the type of official sainthood that you're going to get through the, the, uh, the entity of the church. You know, no one's going to lift that young man up who has forgiven and embraced his brother's killer. They're not going to lift him up and make prayer cards. They're not going to find, do an investigation and find three miracles around him. He's not going to be beatified. There's not going to be marble statues of him. Like the one that I'm looking at right here of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. But if you're like me, and maybe you are, maybe you're not, then maybe you'll see what I saw, and I saw a saint. I saw the moment of sainthood. I saw Christ, and I said that to my team. I said, you know, when, when she embraced, when the officer, ex-officer, walked into his arms, it was like a pulse went out that just moved right through all of us. And in that moment for her, when if you're a Christian, then you'll, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. Or maybe even if you're not a Christian, you know what I'm talking about. That's another Christ right there. And that's what I really, that's the beautiful thing for me about being a Christian is that you can be another Christ. And in that moment, he was another Christ crashing through the court system, crashing through the legalism, crashing through the paperwork, crashing through the sentencing, the, the, the payment that she had to give back for taking this person's life, which, which many say was too, too lenient. The divine mercy showed up in that embrace the divine mercy showed up in his forgiveness the divine mercy was there in his simple simple clean words and his willingness to love 
And in that moment, yeah, I, I believe it. He was another Christ. He was another Christ, and she was being held by the organism of Christ. And I've talked about that with other guests. You know, we had an episode called The Organism. And it was titled that because that's really, that's really what we were talking about. In, in Christian language, you know, we talk about this, the, the body of Christ and the church being the body of Christ. But if you take, you take those things away and you really start to think about what does that mean, you know, the, the vine and to be one of these sweet pieces of fruit on that vine that someone can consume and nourish themselves with. You know, maybe that's what we ought to all try to be. Another Christ. And to do that, you just have to love. Love people. Love people generally, but be willing to love people like in a, like St. Faustina talked about in an inexhaustible way. That, that breaks through so many things that I hear out in the world. And so many things that I hear in my own mind, honestly, in my heart. I'm not always forgiving. If you listened to the last episode, the last journal entry, I talked about that. You know, these stones of resentment in my heart. And how those stones of resentment are, are maybe the path forward. If I can take them out of my heart and lay them down, I can make a path. And I think that's relevant to what I, I saw. That, that that brother showing the divine mercy and allowing himself to be another Christ, using the language I'm using today, he's taking these things that could have potentially just been stones for, for the destruction of more human beings. Things that would have only led to more pain and suffering. Will this woman serve her time for killing his brother? She will. Is it lenient enough by human standards, or fair enough, or more or just enough by human standards? Probably not. We, we want our cup of blood so badly, but honestly, that's not what we're here for. We only, we only have those things in place because of the pain and suffering in the world. But that love that he showed her could really transform the world if we attempted it. It's like a fire. I don't, I've been thinking about that every day since I saw it. And then to, to have that to in front of me and then to move through the Feast of St. Francis and then move in today, the feast day of St. Faustina, it's just a, a reminder of why I'm so grateful that I discovered the design, the divine mercy all those years ago. You know, and as a Catholic, a confirmed Catholic, this is probably a statement that would really, uh, probably not something anybody wants to hear, but I'm more thankful that I found the divine mercy than I am that I confirmed in the church. You know, and while the diary of St. Bostina is written on pieces of paper, 
that's the way I was able to get the information and under and learn what she was experiencing. I felt muddled down by pieces of paper when I entered the church. Felt like it was just a paper trail. It was becoming a paper trail, and it was so important to have all the papers. And what I read in St. Faustina's diary is, you know, she faced many of the same things, and she she succumbed and and followed along quite well. You know, she was in a convent. But her words wreck rage against that. And those words, if I if I must, uh, if I without spilling too much of it, if you're going to read the diary, and I hope you do, with an open mind and heart, just understand that she believed she was talking to the entity, the actual presence and person of Jesus, historical Jesus, living Jesus, appearing to her. Now that's gonna that 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 for some people that just wrecks them that that takes them right out and that'll probably may take some of you out you may go well I'm not reading that I just I think there's a sentiment in the world today where if somebody tells you that you think it's foolish that we think it's foolishness it's fantasy but what I find also at the same time is there are other things that we believe in that are just as fantastical and just as uh, just seems just as silly to what we, I guess, would be a high intellectual mind, a learned person. But we don't, we don't think they're silly. But for, it maybe you think I'm silly. I don't know. I mean, that might be the case too. But if you do think, if you don't think I'm silly, and you trust me just a little bit, maybe you do, and I hope you do. I, I, I want you to. Um, I encourage you to learn more about St. Francis, certainly, and get yourself a copy of the diary of St. Faustina. I have a copy with me here. I'm going to read it this morning. It's covered in red ink. I've probably never underlined so many things in any book in my life. The title of her diary is Divine Mercy in My Soul. You can probably get a used copy. Sometimes I find them at Goodwills and thrift stores, and I try to rescue them and give them away. In fact, I just gave one to another one of the guests, another person who had been on Find the Good News. You know, and she she texted me and told me that she was enjoying it. It's just all about transformation. And, I mean, granted, there's language all across the world about transformation. But there's something very, very special about mercy. It's something special about it because we want it. We're one of the only creatures that really shows it and can contemplate it. I think about that a lot. What if I were just another creature? What if we were just another creature? Would we be able to contemplate mercy? To be able to show forgiveness? To give it? It's a, it's a gift. It's something that's inside of us. We're permeated by it. Love and mercy. Like the fish in the ocean. We're surrounded by it. It's what keeps us afloat. I, I, and you'll find that language in her diary. 
and in other mystics across the ages that the whole universe is supported by a pouring out of mercy a giving of a giving of I mean you can't look around and not see it I can't look around and not see it here at the cemetery you know lest I forget where I'm actually at each one of these people every single one of these headstones was a life a giving of a breath was in these bodies you know and each one had the capacity to feel all these complex things anger hate love kindness mercy hope that's why I love this place sometimes I love to just walk amongst these headstones and, and just you know just a few and to stop and think about the, each one of these people to look at the the dates on their headstones and and see how much life they had I may not know them but just to know that they they had they had similar feelings to the ones I have each one of them was a part of the giving of you know the grass on the ground the trees it's all being poured out something being taken from something else each one of these plants and trees out here is being nourished from something else it's drawing itself up from the earth it's not separate it's it's a part of the giving of and how amazing to be a creature like a human being or any of these other creatures they can be nourished by the earth to, to take food from the vine put it inside ourselves and to be free to move about and still be a part of the giving of the pouring out I think it's built into our nature to pour it out when we, re when we resist that that's when trouble begins you know when, when I pull in this is mine, not yours. This love is mine. It's not yours. I heard many, many voices this week, which I, I unfortunately knew would come, that really belittled the brother, taking away the justice. This justice is ours. It's not yours. We want justice. And what if he would have done that? You know? It's, and I heard that too many people say well it's his forgiveness to give and it's not yours it's not mine it's his to give and I understood what they meant you know it wasn't our brother that was lost you know he's the victim he's the victim's brother I mean you know it was for him to do so you can't say anything about it and I heard that that tone over and over again I mean you'll find that I'm sure if you look that video up You'll find those voices out there. I just hope, I do, I really do hope, I hope that when the day comes, if it comes, and I, I think in small ways it has come many times. Heck, I, I mean, pause right there. I mean, actually, yeah, we have small things all the time that are like this. I do. Or if I would just forgive and show mercy 
it's an uncanny balm. You can let it go. Doesn't mean the act wasn't cruel or hard or inconsiderate. Or it's really, that's the bulk of it, right? I mean, unless you're really, really suffering or being abused or harmed, which that's real. People are. Most of the time, it's just inconsiderateness. People that are just mean or unkind, say mean things, cut you off in traffic, don't show up when you want them to, don't act the way you want them to, they don't fit in your box, don't fit in my box. Even those moments are opportunities to show divine mercy, and sometimes I forget that. I mean, I'm bad about forgetting that. That I can show divine mercy in the small ways, not just the large ways. I don't have to have great loss to show mercy. It's the same medicine in different doses for everything. And that's the other thing about divine mercy. That it always, always has the ability to rise and meet whatever is thrown at it. And it not only meet it, but overcome it and drench it. I was driving the other day and I drove into a rainstorm, real short one, but the drops, I had this thought, as the drops hit the windshield and I turned my windshield wipers on, I just, the windshield wipers could not work fast enough. And the drop, I thought, the drops are huge. These are bigger raindrops. <laughs> Sounds silly, probably. But I know you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and the windshield wipers couldn't keep up. No matter how fast they went at the max capacity, the, I just still, the raindrops were just too much. They were too large and too wet. And I was like, wow, man, this is some serious rain. This is some serious downpour. Everything's going to be drenched. That's what I'm talking about. And that's what St. Faustine is talking about. Drenched. I guess maybe that's a challenge for myself. Several from just talking about this out loud with you. Is to start looking at, looking for the saints harder in this world. Looking for recognition. Right? I want to recognize them as another Christ. I want to see that more in the world. And look, I'm not talking about when I say another Christ for my friends out there that may that language may not work for you. Please understand what I mean. I'm not asking you to go to church and sign a membership and start tithing. And then and then fall in line with whatever you know, is the outline or structure of that particular church. That's not what I'm talking about. When I say I want you to be another Christ, I'm talking about something completely different than just that. You can do that. That's great if you can find a home of uh, any, whatever you believe. Uh, No matter what you consider yourself, even if you consider yourself a nun, N-O-N-E, you can still be another Christ in within the framework of what I've talked about here today. You can still show so much mercy, so much love. You can be like a, a fountain 
And that's actually the language that St. Faustina uses. The fountain of mercy. I trust in you. That's what she says. That's incredible, actually. Something you can just... Have you ever been so thirsty for something? And you finally get your mouth on a water fountain and it's like you just drink and drink and drink. I was talking about that the other day on one of our B-side podcasts that I can drink some water, man. And when I was a kid and they would, you get your turn at the water fountain after playing outside and they'd say, don't drink too much, too fast, you're going to get sick. I would just drink it and drink it and drink it till I was sick and didn't care. <laughs> I just wanted that water. I was so thirsty. And that's a good illustration for the world, man. The world is so thirsty. Guys, we're, you can look around and see it. I mean, you can really look around and see how thirsty we all are. It's so easy. So many of us were so thirsty. But we just fall right in line with the, the times and we say what we hear and we, we hate like our friends hate. We keep people out that our friends don't want in. Build up the same little walls and structures. But really, we're just so doggone thirsty. And if we could just let that go, we could drink, be fountains for each other. That's what I want to be. I'm definitely not there. But I can see it. I mean, I can. I saw it this week. I've seen it in St. Francis. I see it in St. Faustina. I see it in the Divine Mercy. Maybe one of these days you'll see it in me and I'll see it in you. That's who I want to be. That's what I'm thirsty for. I guess I would like to maybe close out this journal with the prayer of St. Francis. Every morning I get up and it's kind of private, honestly. I have a small little ritual that I perform. It's kind of just the, the loading of my pockets, my, I guess I consider it my armoring up or sealing myself for the day. If you, Maybe that's the best way to put it. Making sort of a pact with myself. And I break it all the time. But every morning I get up and I have a red scapular. If you don't know what a scapular is, then most of my Catholic friends will know. I have a red scapular of the Passion of Christ. And I get up and I, I say the prayer of the scapular. I take it off every night. Some people leave it on, but I take it off to sleep. But I put it on, I say the prayer, and I pour a place it over my head to remind myself what I lean on. You know, where I find my strength when I'm not strong. What's my walking stick? And, and that's it. But then I also have another thing I put over my neck. It's a replica of Pope Francis's pectoral cross. And on it, there's a an image of Jesus with a sheep on his shoulders and 99 sheep behind him which that's one of my favorite scriptures of this shepherd that goes out for the one in spite of what 
would normally be done because what Shepard goes and out for one when the other 99 are right there. The 99 good sheep. <laughs> the 99 sheep that aren't lost. The 99 sheep that are doing everything right. The 99 sheep that are going to mass on all the right days. Going to confession every time before. The 99 that you know follow the herd. The 99 that do whatever their friends do. The 99 that are just, they got the right paperwork. The 99 that, that honestly don't doubt. The 99 that get it. The 99 that believe fully. The 99 that have taken the nesty plunge. Whatever. There's a lot of the 99 is a large spectrum of people. But there's that one, you know, there's that one out there that's like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't believe it. I don't want to do this. Yeah, I don't want to love. What are you talking about? She killed my brother. She deserves to rot. She deserves to die. She deserves to be miserable. She took his life. You know, I don't care about her. Good, good. Good, she should have got more time. Well, you do that, this is what you get. That's what they deserve. Man, the good shepherd goes to that person. The good shepherd goes even when that person's like talking, talking foul against the good shepherd, telling the good shepherd to not even come. I don't want to go with your sheep. I don't want to do any of that stuff. I don't want to love. I don't want to forgive. I'm fine. I don't want to help anybody. I'm happy just the way I am. Don't come over here. That's what I love about that cross. So when I get up in the morning and I put that on to start the day, I say the prayer of St. Francis. I memorized it years ago, like 20 years ago. I say I memorized it. I memorized some version of it. And a lot of people have said that it wasn't really even written by St. Francis, but it just captures the essence of what it meant to be a Franciscan. I didn't know that till much later, but I, didn't, I don't care. The prayer is still powerful, and this is what it is. If you already know it, then you know where I'm going. Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there was hatred, let me sow love. Where there was injury, pardon, where there is doubt, faith, where there is despair, hope, where there is darkness, light, and where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not seek so much to be consoled as to, to console, to be understood as to understand, and to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born again to eternal life. I have dissected those words so many times over the years, what each one means, how I want to, how I want to enter the day that way. Oh gosh, <laughs> I 
more failures than successes by far. But it's still there every day. And every day, I do want to die to my old self, my old ego, my old identity, and rise into the new one. Maybe if you see me, you can help me. Maybe if you see me, and I see you for who you really are, as another person, another being permeated by the ocean of mercy, maybe we'll actually, maybe we'll recognize each other. Thanks for listening to this journal. I appreciate you taking the time. Let me talk to you. With the movement of a merry-go-round you always finish back where you start. So accustomed to the spinning all around you.